On today's episode of Deep Left, Jason and I are discussing our favorite player and team futures before Major League Baseball starts its season this week. It's a great show, so let's get to it. It's time to go Deep Left. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ballgame. Hello, everyone, and welcome on into another episode of Deep Left, the unabated baseball podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Viola, and joining me once again, as always, here for the entire MLB season, none other than Spreadopedia, Jason Weingarten himself. And Jason, you are rocking what might be one of my absolute favorite sweatshirts of all time right now. Oh, thank you. My, uh, my brother had it made for me. That, that is, well, what is the story? For, for those that can't uh, see, for those that are listening to us in podcast form here, uh, Jason has a tweet on his sweatshirt here that appears to just be talking trash about him. Yeah, it says, uh, more on sports better. Uh, Jason Weingarten suggested, uh, suggested betting. Sorry, I'm trying to read it upside down. Um, basically, he's calling me an idiot because I bet on Shohei Otani to win the MVP. Um, but yes, it, my brother turned this tweet into a sweatshirt and sometimes I wear it when I do podcasts to, uh, you know, let people know. That is an incredible flex because that was of course the year that he did win the MVP. Yes. Yes. The year he won the MVP as opposed to the year he did not win the MVP, which was last year. <laughs> that was, that, that was some BS, but you know, you gotta, you gotta play the game. And today we are going to be talking about just some, uh, just that. Some of those regular season prop bets here, some futures bets, uh, both team and player based futures. It is going to be a great show because we are here. It is baseball season. We have one week, uh, less than a week left. Opening day is this week, and we are going to get ready for that. Here, we're going to be talking about how you can uh, make some of these futures bets. How you want to break some of that down and. Next episode, we'll be getting into single game betting. Finally, we'll be talking about what to look for there. So stay tuned on the pod here. But let's get started here today talking about some of these futures bets. And, you know, friend of the show and king of unabated, Captain Jack, always likes to talk about sources of truth. What is it that you can use as a source of truth in order to measure some of these bets, whether it's your own numbers, whether it's your own intuition or using the market? And so I want to start off asking you here, Jason, which books do you consider as potential quote unquote sources of truth? Who do you see as the sharper lines makers when it comes to baseball? Uh, well, when it comes to baseball futures and baseball awards, I think there's three books that stand out the most the way they do things. Um, and all three have pros and cons. They're not all perfect, but uh, the top three I use for sort of cross-referencing my own numbers. Um, I'll start third and go go to first, but third is FanDuel because they they offer the robust player markets and they tend to um, they tend to to move them the quickest. Um, I've even seen them moving stuff in game before, you know, reacting to at bats and stuff. So um, I like I like FanDuel. I think. You know they're they're widely available and um, you know reasonable to use for for cross referencing numbers versus the broad market. Um, second, the second best and most reliable source is Circa, um, known for taking 
larger bets on futures, they uh, they tend to offer pretty 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 favorable numbers and pretty you know opinionated bookmaking. The only downside to circa is that well they will offer you know MVP and Cy Young at large limits. They you know won't fool around with like Rookie of the Year. Um, they'll offer most home runs, but they won't offer most hits or most RBIs, which is which is fine. Like I'm, you know, not everybody has to offer every market, um, but sometimes if you want to dig a little deeper, uh, circa will be lacking in certain markets. Like you know, like I mentioned, rookie of the year is just not available there, which uh, leaves me my number one book for baseball futures, who I think does the best job overall is uh the superbook westgate i think they uh they've been doing this for a long time they put up a lot of markets they put them up early they take reasonable bets you know they opened jordan walker 14 to 1 and took a couple bets on on the big numbers so you have to respect them you know for for putting stuff up and taking action um they might not necessarily let you bet the opening rookie of the year number to win fifty thousand dollars but that's fine you know like not every market needs to have a, you know, $50,000 limit. And I think you can get down pretty reasonable amounts. If, if you have FanDuel, uh, Superbook, and access to Circa, <clears throat> I think you can kind of shop for lines on futures between the three of them and have a pretty good understanding of, of who likes what and where the market is. Um, there are other books, obviously, but I think those are the three most widely available that uh, put out the best numbers. Yeah, there you go. I wasn't I wasn't expecting Superbook to be at the top of that list simply because they're not a book that we've talked a ton about here. They are obviously incredibly sharp, and Jay Cornegay and John Murray run a great ship over there. But they definitely are one of my favorite books to bet with. And you're right, they do have some fantastic baseball lines, and I, I'm thrilled about the fact that I can actually take advantage of those here in Nevada because. For a lot of March Madness, for a lot of college basketball here, I've been on the outside looking in at all of these edges on the unabated odd screen that are available in places like Jersey and New York that you just can't get out here. But you've got an even tougher time out there in California, don't you? Yeah, it's it's a challenge, but challenges can be overcome. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get on into it here. Let's start talking about some team futures that you're liking for this season. And let's start talking process what is it that uh what, what is it that goes into your evaluation of some of these teams when you're looking at these numbers and deciding what you want to fire away on well i think one of the first things i do with uh mlb in particular is i'm trying to separate the uh the good teams and the bad teams use what i call kind of a barbell approach you know i'm trying to, to identify top of the market and the bottom of the market and go from there um you know it's kind of like uh you know you 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 can find success running down the straggler is a lot more easy than predicting who's going to finish the middle of the pack so um the first thing i do before before anything else is try to identify who i think the worst teams are the most disappointing the teams that are you know struggling in spring training the teams that have you know problems brewing um you know chemistry problems all that stuff i i take note of early um because losing is easier than winning so 
um, you could pick out the losers a lot easier than, than trying to pick out the winners. And so who's a team that you're, who, who are the teams that you're identifying as the potential biggest losers for this season? Well, so the thing to keep in mind, obviously, like we know the Oakland athletics are bad. We know the Washington nationals are bad. That's not necessarily a secret. And you have to keep in mind, especially with win totals, that the lower you go, especially when you get into the 60s and lower, you have very little leeway with with winning that bet to the under. I saw today, like Oakland's at 59 and a half wins. That's one of the lowest win totals I can recall seeing. And the under very well likely might be the right side there. But at 59, you practically have zero leeway. You know, one win, one, you know, Tuesday night that they beat the Astros and the Astros don't care is the difference between 50, 59 and 60 wins. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about identifying the bad teams or the really bad teams. It's, you know, you have to identify the bad teams that have a, a number that's good enough to bet. I couldn't, I couldn't advocate betting Oakland at 59 and a half wins, even if they are likely to stay under that number, you just, you know, like I said, you, you're, you're not getting your money's worth on that bet. How about another perennial loser here in the Pittsburgh pirates? I actually bet the over on the Pittsburgh pirates, uh, 67 and a half. That could be a situation where it does come down to a couple games, but, uh, you know, I actually like the over here. Um, there's, there's a difference between tanking and, and not, not competing and just being general run of the mill bad in, in MLB and general run of the mill, bad teams in MLB can still win 70 games, you know, every, every now and then, uh, obviously they're starting in the hole already with the just announced this morning, there's a pitching injury to JT Brubaker. So, you know, losing the innings from a starter there is never a positive sign, but I think, I think they're a team that, that is just the general kind of bad as opposed to the Miami Marlins kind of bad. So um, I'm actually on the over there, 67 and a half. My favorite baseball quote of all time. It comes from Jason Gay over at Wall Street Journal. Life's too short to be a Miami Marlin. I'm pretty sure I said it on last episode, and I will say it on plenty more over the course of the rest of this season. But now, Jason, let's shift over and talk about some of the winners here. Uh, you got the usual faces, the Strohs, the Dodgers. Um, the Yankees will still be an interesting, interesting case study here as they haven't quite gotten back to the greatness that the Bronx Bombers once were at, but they are certainly one of the top contenders again this year. Is there anyone that you are specifically putting your eye on as far as uh top, as far as a top team that you think is going to dominate this season? Astros. And I, I say this is somebody who does not like the Astros organization or, you know, I can't imagine why they've never done anything controversial, but, but regardless of my feelings for the organization, you know, you could recognize a good team when, when they're great, they're good. You recognize a great team when they're great. The, uh, the Astros lose Justin Verlander. They add Jose Abreu. Um, I think they will make up Justin Verlander's innings, even though they were, you know, just elite Cy Young innings, the depth that the Astros organization has. And a lot of this goes back to 2020 when, when they, the, the MLB draft got all screwed up and they had all the, the undrafted free agents available because um, of the lack of uh, extra rounds in the draft um, organizations that had 
scouting the scouting departments and the ability to go out there and and kind of analyze and and pick off guys that were free really really you know took advantage of that situation and have organizational depth that that is just you know paid off it's going to pay off down the road and it's starting to pay off now but uh the astros are one of those organizations the dodgers guardians rays obviously you know a lot of the 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 well-known uh organizations the names you know took advantage of this but uh the astros in particular are just so deep that they can absorb the loss of a Cy Young pitcher like like Justin Verlander and still be one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball and certainly the best team in the American League. When you look at, you know, who's the next best team in the American League, I guess it's the Yankees, but even the Yankees already have pitching depth problems going into the, the start of the season and I really like the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are are very well built for their their home stadium. But outside of of the Blue Jays and after that you're getting, you know, kind of into the Rays, Mariners, Guardians tier. Those teams are good, but they're not close to to the Astros. I mean, to me the Astros are just the best team in the American League likely the best team in baseball with the Dodgers potentially taking a step back this year. Um, you know, like I said, I was recording a pod with Gil this morning. And I was saying, if anybody has a counterpoint to the Astros and would like to tell me why I'm wrong, please, please do. Um, but I, I just don't see how the Astros aren't the best team in the American league to start the year. It's going to be another season of mattress Mac betting reports for sure. But uh, looking at some of these numbers on how you can capitalize on the Astros there, uh, looking for best record, FanDuel has them at plus 550, just off the Braves and the Dodgers as the favorite there, their third favorite. Um, Circa Sports, of course, has them at plus 560 to have the most regular season wins. That is tied for favorite with the Braves. The Braves were a team that we didn't really talk about too much there. What do you think about them? I like the Braves. I bet... uh... Bet Matt Olson to win the MVP actually is available between 20 to one and 30 to one. I think uh, that's a reasonable number. Checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, the only box he doesn't check is that I always say you have to be the best player on your own team. And with the Braves, with Michael Harris and Austin Riley and Ronald Acuna, it's kind of a situation similar to the, uh, to the San Diego Padres where you know, we know Xander Bogarts and Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado are elite players, but anytime you're playing with Juan Soto or anytime you're playing with Ronald Acuna, you have to have an extraordinary year to to take the spotlight off a true superstar. But as I was recording this morning and now I'm recording this, uh, Matt Olson hit another home run, his major league leading eighth home run of spring training and Obviously, don't read too much into spring training stats. There's a lot of misleading stuff. And just because Matt Olson's leading baseball in uh, home runs in spring training doesn't doesn't mean very much. But, you know, in, in this case, I, I did happen to notice that he's he's hitting the ball, you know, as good as you can in spring training. I mean, he's batting like 500 or something through through the month. Um 
but yeah, in, in a situation like this where I see guys just absolutely crushing the ball and um, Freddie Freeman won as a first baseman in Atlanta recently, he definitely could have some, uh, there are, there are scenarios where Matt Olson is an MVP contender. So I was happy to take, take some, some futures on him, but, but he, he does, like I mentioned, not necessarily fit the, the criteria as the best player on his own team. All right. And with that, let's shift into some of those MVP and individual player performance markets here. Uh, one quick note, the Astros to win the AL also plus 320 at Circa. That's the best price you're going to find on that. But as we shift here into the MVP conversation, uh, you already mentioned Matt Olson. He's 25 to 1 at Ben MGM Caesars and DraftKings right now. Circa has him down at 18 to 1. But there is another good player that you have your eye on here. Noted Irish superstar Aniel Cruz uh, to win MVP. 130 to one at FanDuel, 100 to one everywhere else, 50 to one down at DK. What do you think of Anya? Yeah, he's actually 35 to one at Circa too. And wow. I think I think that's around what his opening number was there. Um, that one 30 to one at FanDuel is, is a great number. If uh if anyone listening to this can grab that, that's that's a good bat. Um, so the thing with Cruz is I gotta, you know, gotta be honest, I tend to be a year too early with a lot of these guys. So, you know, it's, it, it would be no surprise if I am in fact early here, but, um, we, we saw a brief sort of preview of what O'Neill Cruz can do at the major league level last year. And, um, especially when you're looking at the stat cast metrics, how hard he throws the ball from shortstop to first base, how hard he hits the ball. You know, he uh, he has the hardest hit baseball in the history of StatCast ahead of uh, Giancarlo Stanton. And, uh, you know, he's probably only a couple hundred bats into his career. He throws, you know, with his frame being 6'7", he can uncork a throw from, from shortstop to first base that reaches 97, 98 miles an hour. Um he hits incredibly powerful home runs with that frame, you know, being six, seven, you can go reach down and take balls, you know, that that are out of the strike zone for a normal player and turn them around and hit them over the fence. You can jump up and steal runs at shortstop that a normal player just couldn't physically react to. Um, there are not very many six, seven shortstops in the history of baseball to even contextualize a lot of this, but you know, um, let alone six, seven shortstops that have 29.9 foot per second sprint speed. So just the amount of ground he can physically cover with his frame, with his legs is extraordinary. And that leads to, you know, run saved on defense that could lead to stolen bases. Um, he was quoted this offseason saying his goal was to go 40, 40. So, you know, that's obviously a, upper echelon projection but if he does get close to hitting those numbers even if he's a 30 30 guy you would have to imagine the 30 30 season at least puts him in the conversation when it comes to mvp voting um so like i said i'm likely a year early on uh on o'neill cruz but but when you start going down the list you know and i'm talking about everybody from 40 to 1 or 50 to 1 above like Ozzy Albies, Jazz Chisholm, Danzy, Dansby Swanson. Those aren't really guys that I'm super excited to bet for MVP. 
but I can get O'Neill Cruz at 100 to one or 130 to one. Like, sign me up all day. If if the Pirates somehow win 70, 75 games, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying, in the event that the Pirates happen to be slightly better than average and O'Neill Cruz turns into a superstar this year, you know, he's absolutely a top tier contender for MVP and. You know, at that number, I, I like him way better than basically everyone else who's in the long shot tier. Will, will it be a negative on him that the Pirates, let's face it, aren't going to be good, even if they're even if they're above expectations? It's not like this team is one of the teams we're expecting to make a run to a World Series. Yes, but unlike, you know, the NFL, where <laughs> being on a good team is kind of essential to winning the MVP, mm-hmm. um, it's not absolutely essential that you need to be on a good team to win the MVP in baseball. It certainly helps, you know, um, if you have two guys with similar numbers and one's on a playoff team and one's Juan Soto on the nationals, then, you know, Juan Soto is probably not going to win. Um, in this case, yeah, there's, there's, there are absolutely a lot of, a lot of reasons why O'Neill Cruz is not going to win the MVP. I totally, I would totally agree with most of them, but at a hundred to one or 130 to one, I'm absolutely, you know, willing to play that number, especially when I look at the market and I see like a Fernando Tatis is 10 to one at Circa. I I don't, I don't think there's any way Tatis wins the MVP. Um, And again, this is a voting award. So, you know, even if Tatis hits 40 home runs, I have a hard time seeing the voters rewarding him with an MVP coming off a steroid suspension. That's just, at least in my mind, not the way baseball writers think. Um, Exactly. You have to, you have to get into some of that game theory here. It's kind of like why Otani didn't win last year because baseball, like this, again, like you said, it's a voting award and the voters don't like giving the award to the same player back to back, even if he deserves it. Yeah, but and that's the thing is even when you keep in mind a lot of the stuff like numbers trump feelings. So if your if your argument is based on, you know, well the voters won't vote for this or won't do that, you know, really at the end of the day you just got to look at the numbers, line them up, and say, well, this player, you know, if if like I said, if if O'Neill Cruz goes forty forty, then the Pirates' record and all these arguments are going to be great for you know, argument's sake, but the numbers speak for themselves at the end of the season. So um, that's the thing is you can only politic these awards so much that the players have to actually perform. And then on some other, uh, on some other ones that speaking of numbers where you don't have to worry about politics or anything like that, O'Neill Cruz is also a candidate for most home runs in the season this year. And I believe I want to triple check it before I say it, but Yep. Also 130 to one at FanDuel. That's also a great number. Um, you know, obviously Aaron judge going to be super popular to repeat and, and continue his, his power streak. And I can't tell you that he won't, but uh, you know, this is, this is kind of a ward where you can have a lot of fun with this in years where there's a, not, not a guy like judge who's running away with it. Um, O'Neill Cruz, you know, he, like I said, might be a year too early, but we know the power is there. He's got the same sort of frame as, as an Aaron judge. Um, he can, like I said, he can go down, swing it, and take balls outside of the zone and hit them over the fence. It's a skill not very many players have. 
Um, you know, Aaron Judge is a guy who can do that. It comes down to your size and strength. So um, Cruz is going to have the opportunities. He's going to be batting at the top of the lineup. So every day he's he's going to get as many at-bats possible. And, you know, if you're looking for a long shot to lead the league in home runs, you can absolutely do worse than O'Neill Cruz at 130 to 1. All right. One more player market to get to here. And also, again, I think that that might be something really worth uh, really worth looking at because you don't have to worry about what baseball writers are, are going to think or whether or not the Pirates season success is going to come into play, even if it is a more diminished factor than the NFL. But one more here that we have regular season strikeouts uh, to lead the league there. And there's one guy in particular that you have your eye on. Yeah, I like uh, I like Hunter Green. I got him at twenty eight to one. I think uh, he was a guy last year that was a real popular pick for uh, for Rookie of the Year out of the gate when he made the the Reds rotation. But his home run numbers, his ERA, you know, is can't win ERA. You can't win Rookie of the Year when you have a five ERA, and you know the strikeouts are nice, <clears throat> um, but but you know awards require more than one you know, amazing number. And he just didn't have the numbers across the board to be a serious contender, but you know, an award like, or not an award, a, a market like most strikeouts <clears throat> is kind of independent of voting. And, you know, it's, it's a, you either did it or you didn't sort of thing. Um, he's projected, you know, he's, he's a, he's a fastball first kind of pitcher, which is nice because guys like that can throw slightly more innings when they're not throwing, breaking pitches so frequently um he pitched a lot last year i don't have his exact numbers in front of me but you know he could easily get to the 200 sort of inning plateau this year and he's got a double digit k k to nine um which is pretty important for this market and obviously you're gonna have some guys up top you're gonna have garrett cole uh degrom the verlander scherzer kind of guys those those are the guys we're gonna get the best odds um, but when you look a little farther down and see a fresh kind of live young arm like Hunter Green that's not really on an innings limit, I think I think 25 to 1, 28 to 1 is a, a reasonable number there. Wouldn't wouldn't play him under 20 or anything, but I like that. I like a lot of young pitchers. Um, like I said, I tend tend to be early to the party than late. Uh, George Kirby's another one. I like Kirby to be the AL Cy Young. I think he's still 65 to one. Um, that's Mariners pitcher. But uh, yeah, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these guys, I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for younger guys that have the ability to surprise to the upside and Hunter Green, George Kirby fit those profiles. And how about profiles as far as MVP and the most home runs? Obviously we were, we were already talking about hit power for home runs but what are you looking for in some of these MVP candidates that you saw in O'Neill? Well, MVP is, is slightly different from AL to NL because with the AL you have Otani and it's just even at, when you're not necessarily going to bet on Otani at two to one, you have to kind of be aware of his existence. And, you know, like I bet Randy Rose Reina, who's 250 to one, 300 to one, I think they even got some 500 to one. Um, those are great numbers, but how much money do you really want to tie up betting against Shohei Otani, um, you know, with, with these guys? So 
Like I have some AL MVP bets. I bet a little bit on Vlad. I bet a little bit on Jose Abreu and uh, Jordan Alvarez, some of my favorite players, um, guys I know who can produce. But, you know, just just knowing that that Otani lingers, uh, you know, against everybody else, I'm I'm hesitant to tie up too much money in the AL because um, all roads kind of lead back to, you know, does your guy hit and pitch? No. Okay. Then you're probably not going to win. Um, the NL is a little more interesting, little top heavy, obviously Juan Soto, you know, is, is going to be the cream of the crop as, as long as he's healthy. And uh, with the talent around him, he can put up such, such strong numbers that, you know, nobody else is really going to be able to contend, but that's no fun taking a five to one favorite is, is pretty boring in these markets. And, you know, like I, I wasn't initially planning on betting Trey Turner for NL MVP, but after uh, watching WBC, I was a little more excited about him. And I think, you know, the, one of the nice things about WBC is you get to see a lot of superstars get high intensity at bats early in the season. And, you know, that stuff carries over in the beginning of the season, you might be slightly ahead and maybe it helps Turner put up some slightly better numbers and inflate his hits and runs and RBIs and all that stuff. And at the end of the season, he's just slightly ahead of some other contenders. Um, so I was happy. I took the 14 to one at Circa on my way out of town last week. Um, I think I mentioned Matt Olson already. He's just been hot, but for me, this market, it really, comes down to you know I, I like Acuna I like Soto I think they're contenders up top after that like I don't think I don't agree with Fernando Tatis having the third lowest odds in this market and when you get to a point where you can identify you know where you think the numbers are wrong in a market then you know even if you all you all you have to do a lot of times in futures markets is identify that something is wrong at the top and then you can sort of start working backwards and say, well, if this is wrong, then there's value to be had, you know, and then you can find it. You can start kind of making arguments for different things. But um, obviously Soto is going to be the guy to beat, but I see plenty of names farther down this list that, that can easily contend for an, uh, an MVP. All right. Well, Jason, that is going to do it for us here. Once again, thank you so much for joining me here today. We will be back next week. As long as they let me put this headset on again, we will be back talking about the opening day and what to look for betting on early season baseball. We are finally getting into games here. It is going to be very exciting. So be sure to tune in for that episode coming out midweek here. We're going to have that one out for you in a couple of days before opening day to get you ready. But in the meantime, of course, if you like the show, make sure that you're following. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you hit that like button if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening to us on the podcast platform of your choice, throw us that five-star rating. It really does help us with the algorithms, with growing the show. And as always, check out unabated.com today. MLB season is here, and it is time to take advantage of some of the great tools we have in Unabated, like our prop simulator which we will be talking about plenty more as the season goes on. And of course the unabated odd screen to help you find some edges. And as always, you can follow Jason on Twitter at spreadopedia. You can follow me at TV at work. And of course, follow unabated sports on Twitter at Instagram at 
unabated sports. But that is going to do it for us. Best of luck to everyone, and may you cash some tickets.